Hey guys, Connie here. We're kicking off 2020 by giving away one used copy of The Magic of the Unicorn by Deborah Lermay Goodman for free. The giveaway ends on February 14th, 2020, so visit us at IncrediblyDaring.com for all the details. Can you survive in the forest of fear? You are spending the summer with your uncle in Maine. He's writing a book about an old Indian legend, the story of a sacred pine tree whose branches were said to be inhabited by spirits. You decide to hunt for the spirit tree yourself, but when you find it, you fall asleep under its branches. You wake up surrounded by six shadowy forms. They order you to make a terrifying choice. You must drink a deadly herb brew or walk across burning coals. An Indian legend is coming true, and somehow you've been trapped in it. If you decide to drink the brew, turn to page 116. If you decide to walk across the coals, turn to page 109. Beware, in the forest of fear you face dangers both natural and supernatural, and only the choices you make can save you. What happens next in this story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out, and the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of the story. Choose from 17 possible endings. Choose Your Own Adventure, Book 54, Forest of Fear, by Louise Monroe Foley, illustrated by Ron Wayne. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose-your-own-adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. It's the special book fair edition, guys. We've had a couple of those before. There's nothing else in here. The only difference is that it has a sticker on the front that says special book fair edition. (laughs) Looks like this is going to be another one of those books with a lot of Indians and not very many Native Americans. Yeah, that's trippy eyes on the cover of this one. Yeah. Also, takes place in Maine, ghostly Native Americans, very Stephen Kingish. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Pet some Terry. Mm-hmm. Warning Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures you may have as you journey through the forest of fear. From time to time, as you read along, you will be asked to make decisions and choices. Your choices may lead to success or disaster. Your adventures are the result of your choices. You are responsible because you choose. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens next. Think carefully before you make a move. You may find yourself in other times and other realms. Will you ever find your way out of the forest of fear? It's up to you. Good luck. Time travel. Of course. Mentally prepare yourself. (laughs) Yep. When your mother's company sends her to France for the summer, her younger brother, your Uncle Jason, invites you to stay with him. Boo! I'd rather go to France. Your Uncle Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason lives in an abandoned ranger station in a forest in northeastern Maine. His mom was beheaded by teenagers at the local summer camp. (laughs) Damn darn teenagers. He bought the lookout years ago and supports himself by writing adventure novels. And killing teenagers. (laughs) 
You still remember the fun you had when you were small and imaginative. Wit. When you were small and imaginative. It does say that. Now you're old and boring and <laughs> reading Choose Your Own Adventure books. <laughs> <laughs> you still remember the fun you had when you were small and imaginative, easygoing Jason came to visit. Oh. You're eager to go. You love to hike and you're sure Jason will help you explore the best trails. Sure he will. The day after school is out, you board a bus for Maine by yourself. For the last 50 miles, your seatmate is an old man named Isaac Carnes. You learn that Isaac's... Wait, more than one Isaac? No, for the last... Yeah, right? <laughs> for the last 50 miles, your seatmate is an old man named Isaac Carnes. You learn that Isaac lives about six miles from Jason. Have you lived around here all your life, you ask him? Yep, he replies, all 70 years of it. Only the Indians know these forests better than Isaac Carnes. When I was your age, my best friend was a Penobscot. Henry Matakwondo and I grew up together in the forest. My family homesteaded here. When you tell him where you're going, he scowls. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like your uncle. That's where the teenagers die at. Never should have pulled a ranger out of that station, he mutters. They'll regret it this summer, mark my words. You mean there'll be a forest fire, you ask? Yep, a rip snorter. A crown fire will take out all the pines on the southwest slope. This is the mainest thing that I've ever heard in my life. Mark my oh. words. A rip snorter. <laughs> a rip snorter up there. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that, you ask? It's been hot and dry. Not much snow runoff from last winter, he snaps. Damn climate change. City folk ain't got no heads for nature's mischief. If I had my way, they'd shoot any stranger who goes beyond Wolf Ridge. Oh, so this guy's the murderer. <laughs> yeah. At that, Isaac pulls his hat over his eyes and starts to snore. Wow. Wow. Done talking to you, kid. Here's your exposition, and I'm done. <laughs> when the bus pulls up at Ellison's store, Jason, wearing blue jeans and a flannel shirt, and a is waiting. Mask. <laughs> <laughs> he has a beard now, you notice, but somehow doesn't look much older than when you last saw him. He points to his dirt bark. Bark. His dirt Good. bark? <laughs> He points to his dirt bike, parked by the gas pump. Hop on, he says. <laughs> you ride to the ranger station through dense forest. At last you see the lookout, Jason's home, towering over hundreds of acres of spruces and pines. Are there any other people around, you ask, following Jason up the ladder-like stairs that lead to the glass-walled lookout? Nope, says Jason. Closest is Agnes Ellison at the store. He opens the door and you enter. That's your room, he says, pointing to one screened-off corner. He points to another screen and says, this one's mine. There are cots behind each of the screens, a sink without taps, and a two-burner stove. An old couch is in the center of the room, and Jason's typewriter is set up on a card table. Beside it sits a fancy two-way radio and a pair of binoculars. My link to the world, Jason says, nodding at the radio. You walk around the table and look at the page in the typewriter. Is this your new book? Can I read it? Not All now. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not now, he says. It's bad luck to show a partial manuscript to anyone. You can read it when it's finished. Okay, you say. But your heart is thumping. The single paragraph you read is astonishing. A crown fire will take out all of the pines on the southwest slope. It's been hot and dry. Not much snow runoff from last winter. Isaac Carnes words. But Jason wrote this before you arrived. You can read it when it's finished, Jason repeats firmly. Get unpacked. I'm going down for some water. 
You give Jason enough time to get to the ground and then hurry back to the typewriter. There's nothing else on the page you read, so you flip through those on the table. As you Snoopy dicks. Yeah, as you do, you notice the name Isaac in several places. At last, you come to page one. The title reads, The Spirit Tree. And beside it, Jason has sketched a pine tree. You start to read. Deep in the forest, there was a pine tree that remained the same from year to year and season to season. Despite fires and floods that devastated the rest of the forest, this tree was never destroyed. The Indians believed that the tree could give them supernatural powers. Powers to see into the future and power to travel into the past. <laughs> for it was the way station for spirits, both evil and good. Hovering in its upper branches, the spirits waited patiently until the time was right to possess the bodies of those who kept vigil or passed in its shadow. Because of its sacred nature, this one tree was never to be disturbed. No pine cones could be picked, no branches cut. Elders of the tribe often consulted the tree when seeking answers to problems, and young Indian men were required to sit alone in its shadow on the night before they were to become braves. However, one young man who was in contention with his cousin to follow their uncle as chief of the tribe was not satisfied to sit in the tree's shadow. If the tree's shadow can bestow on me the gift of past and future, he reasoned, surely a piece of the bark carefully stitched into my moccasin would give me even greater power. He reached up with a sharp rock and cut off a piece of the bark. You hear a noise and quickly stop reading. It's Jason coming back with the water. You set, the, machete. <laughs> you set the page down, but you're not quick enough. Do you want to jinx this book for me? Jason yes. asks, annoyed. No, you say, but I had to read more. You see, you wrote down exactly what a man said to me on the bus. Jason's dark brows furrow. Show me, he says. There. Show me the man on the bus? <laughs> yeah. You point to the page in the typewriter. You even knew Isaac's name. It's almost as if you have some psychic power. <laughs> Jason shrugs. Coincidence. I know Isaac Carnes. I just borrowed his name for the book. Oh. His father and his grandfather had the same name. And with so little snow runoff from last winter, the natives of this area all know the fire danger. Will you tell me about the spirit tree, you ask? Jason looks at you irritated. Did you read the whole thing? <laughs> no, you say. Just some of it. Did you make it up? The tree? Good heavens, no. I heard it from Henry Matakawando, an old Indian who has a cabin out by the road. Isaac's friend? Yeah. Henry used to be a friend of Isaac Carnes, you say. Used to. Did he tell you the ending? What happened to the young Indian? Forget the tree, Jason snaps. It's dangerous. So glad your mom sent you to your crazy brother. Later that night, when you go to bed, you're still wondering how Jason knew exactly what Isaac said to you on the bus. Because you're really obsessing over this. <laughs> Is Jason psychic? No. Could it have something to do with the powers of the spirit tree? For the sake of the book, probably. <laughs> you're sure something strange is going on. Jason's so crabby. It's as if he turned into another person. Maybe you should find Henry and ask him about the tree. And how does the legend end, you wonder? Henry could tell you. Your other choice is to sneak back to the table and try to read the rest of the story now. If you decide to find Henry in the morning, turn to page 51. If you decide to try to finish reading the story now, turn to page 73. Read the story? Yeah, as I said, I kind of want to read the story. Okay, I kind of want to get caught reading the story. Yeah. 
Or I didn't think of that. But, but just read the story regardless. But okay, yeah, so I didn't even think you're getting caught. Read the story. Jason snores fill the room. Cautiously, you tiptoe <laughs> around. Right. The, that sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> Cautiously, you tiptoe around the screen. You quietly pick up some loose pages from the card table and tiptoe back to bed. You dig out a flashlight from your suitcase and pick up a page to read at random. Sarah, where's Ben? The young girl dipping water from the barrel by the log cabin door hesitated a moment. Her long brown hair, tied with a blue ribbon that matched her dress, flounced as she turned to respond to Isaac's question. Isaac? Isaac Carnes? You shuffle through the pages until you find the one with the sketch of the tree and start reading. He reached up and with a sharp rock cut off a piece of the bark. What a jip! The first page ends here. Can't say that anymore. It's racist. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Jason finish it? Then you spot two words penciled at the bottom of the page. Spirit possession. You lie back and stare at the ceiling. Is it a coincidence that Jason's writing about Isaac Carnes? Yes. Or does it have something to do with the spirit tree? Probably that too. Could Jason have? <laughs> could Jason have found it? You set the pages down beside you. Is that why he's acting so strangely? Yes. Then a frightening thought occurs to you. Could Jason be possessed? Yes. Please. Jason's words come back to you. Forget the tree. I will kill you if you read the rest of my story. (laughs) Forget the tree. It's dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) The sound of Jason preparing breakfast wakens you in the morning. As you sit up, you realize the pages are still on the cot beside you. You stuff them under the blanket and pull on your jeans and shirt. You'll have to wait for a safe time to put them back. After breakfast, Jason gruffly tells you to do the dishes while he goes down to get more water. These would be nice. As soon as he leaves, you get the pages from under the blanket and put them back on the card table. You glance again quickly at the page with the story of the spirit tree. What could be so dangerous about a tree? The two penciled words jump out at you again. Spirit possession. It's just a story, or is it? There's only one way to find out. I think I'll go hiking, you tell Jason when he returns. Pack some sandwiches, he grunts, sitting down at the typewriter. You have to amuse yourself. I can't go. I have to finish this book. I'm not going to be much company for you. That's okay, you tell him. I'll just wander. (laughs) Unexpectedly, Jason grins. was the 80s. (laughs) You better not just wander, he says. You could wander yourself straight into trouble. There are two fairly safe trails from the lookout. The one to the left goes into the meadow. There's a burned out log cabin down there, and you may find some arrowheads along the creek. The other, he continues pointing through the doorway, goes up to Wolf Ridge. You choose the trail to the meadow, turn to page 92. If you choose the trail to the ridge, turn to page 33. Have we been introduced to Wolf Ridge yet? Isaac mentioned it, I think, on the bus. I don't remember what he said. Um, Wolf Ridge sounds way cooler than a meadow with burned a burned out cabin. cabin. And- possible arrowheads yeah i, I mean granted when i was 12 probably arrowheads yeah but i'm not 12 sure. anymore so wolf ridge wolf ridge i think yeah. yeah okay i guess i'll go up to wolf ridge you tell jason no <laughs> <laughs> there's not much chance the tree will be in the meadow you think well stay on the trail he snaps and keep away from the covered bridge it's not safe a warning signal flashes in your mind is the bridge really unsafe, or is Jason trying to steer you away from the spirit tree? Don't go on. Never mind. Maybe the tr- <laughs> maybe the tree is on the other side of the bridge, 
Or maybe the tree is just a product of Jason's imagination. But why would he lie to you? And don't waste your time looking for the spirit tree, he continues. It doesn't exist. I made it up. Startled, you look at him without replying. How did he know what you were thinking? It's fucking obvious that that's what you're going to do. You jab a knife into a jar of peanut butter and start making sandwiches. Oh, all right. Jason turns back to his writing. Neither of you speaks again until you're on your way out. Stay away from the bridge, Jason calls as the door bangs behind you. As you climb the grade to the ridge, you try to imagine what has changed Jason and what happened to the young Indian in his story. Maybe the spirits of the tree possessed him when he cut away the bark. Maybe he died right there before his night in its shadow was over. Or maybe he became chief, honored by all the tribes in the area because he could predict the future. You reach the top of the ridge and sit down to rest. It's a really vivid uh, amount of uh, future you see for this young. Maybe we, you, we should be writing fiction stories instead of Uncle yeah. Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Uncle Jason should quit his day job. <laughs> you unwrap your sandwiches and eat them, staring at the trees along the ridge, trying to match one with Jason's sketch. The sun is warm and the air is humid and you are sleepy. The it's low- right above us. The sun? No, the tree. Ah. Oh. The back of the book gave it we're away. In the, we're in the shadow. We're about to fall asleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The low, threatening grumble of thunder wakens you. At first, you can't remember where you are. But there's That's one thing you do remember. Don't sit under a tree during a thunderstorm. <laughs> Lightning flashes against the dark sky, and you jump up and run. Rain comes down in huge drops, and you race down the other side of the ridge, looking for cover. Ahead of you is a deep canyon. Behind you is a forest of tall trees, many of them already scarred by lightning strikes. You slip on the needle-covered ground, panicking when you lose your balance. You plummet down the sharp angle of the cliff, stopping only when you crash into a boulder. We're plummeting down a cliff? They are. Or the ridge, I guess. Thumbs up. You grab hold of a bush and watch as the huge rock bounces downhill, gathering small rocks in its path. That's when you see it. Off to the right, within easy crawling distance, is the covered bridge. If you can reach it, you'll be safe from the storm. It spans a deep, narrow gorge, so deep that you can't see the bottom. Jason's warning rings in your ears. And then I immediately ignore it. But the rain is pounding on you, and the lightning is coming closer. The downpour is dislodging other boulders from the side of the ridge. You don't want to be caught in a rock slide. You crawl a short distance to the bridge and enter its dark tunnel. Rock slide! (laughs) The thunder seems twice as loud inside the covered bridge. Shivering, you crawl in farther to escape the rain that's pelting in through the entrance. Even with the winds gusting through the gorge, the bridge seems steady and stable. With a sigh of relief, you sit on the wooden floor and lean against the wall. Surprise, surprise, our uncle is a liar. Why did he tell us to stay away from this bridge? This bridge is awesome. Because it leads to the fucking tree. Does it? Mm -hmm. Of course it does. The bridge certainly seems safe enough. Jason must have been mistaken, or else he was lying, to keep you from going across. Mm -hmm. It's not even swaying. He wasn't lying, he was fictioning. (laughs) And the storm was subsiding. Now that you've come this far, you might as well cross to the other side and see if you can find the tree. Damn straight. You rest a few moments and start moving down the length of the covered bridge. It's dark, and an occasional gust of wind whistles in through the cracks and startles you. (laughs) You're relieved when you finally see daylight at the other end. The sudden storm has passed to another part of the forest. 
As you approach the opening, you see a rainbow framing a pine tree on the ridge above you. Mm. Your heart pounds in your throat. There's no mistaking that tree. It's exactly like Jason's sketch. Spirit tree, you found it. Jason lied. It does exist. Mm -hmm. But Jason didn't lie about the bridge. You're still staring at the tree when the rock slide hits. (laughs) You and the bridge plummet to the bottom of the gorge. The end. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well... I mean, he technically did lie about the bridge. He said the bridge wasn't steady, and it was. It was a rock slide that took us out. Mm-hmm. That's true. So. So you can go to the meadow. That sounds like the wrong way, though. Hold on, let me We've, Have we only had two choices? Pretty much. You could um, go find Henry in the morning to learn more information instead of reading your uncle's story. Henry might not be a bad... Yeah... I mean, the meadow is the wrong way, obviously, according to... Well, obviously, we went is the wrong way because we got killed. There is that, but we saw the tree and there was a covered bridge and all the magic. All of that doesn't matter because we wound up dead. So that was technically the wrong way. But I'm I'm down with checking out Henry. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so we're going to go find Henry. Yeah. Henry of the long, difficult to pronounce last name. Hopefully I don't have to say again. You can just call him Henry. Okay. You need an excuse to go to Henry's cabin. After breakfast, you ask Jason if he needs anything from the store. (laughs) Yes, I need you to stop reading my manuscript. (laughs) See if my typing paper has come in and get the mail. He sits down and starts to type. Turn right at the road, he calls as you leave. And a new hockey mask. You follow the trail to the road and turn left. You know you didn't pass a cabin yesterday, so Henry's place must be in the other direction from the store. Brilliant. You walk a long time before you come to a small wooden building. It looks deserted. Anybody home, you yell? Henry, are you in there? You push open the door. There's no one inside. But on the wall across the room, the sunlight catches a drawing. Burned into the soft wood is a sketch of a pine tree. It's exactly like Jason's drawing of a spirit tree, only larger. You enter. The single-room shack is sparsely furnished. Something tells you that it has not been occupied for a long time. Where is Henry? Feeling like criminal, you move quietly to the etching of the tree. A smooth criminal. Uh-huh. <laughs> the natural knot holes and grain of the unfinished wallboards add to its beauty. Did Henry do the etching, you wonder? Does this tree really exist? A noise outside startles you. Hello, anybody in there? A voice shouts. Who is it? What if you're caught trespassing? You duck under the cot and pull the gray blanket down to hide you. That's what I was just going to say, hide under the bed. Mm-hmm. So. Keep it down, friend, says a man's voice. You might as well take out an ad in the local paper to tell the cops where we are. Oh, this Criminals. is the criminal gang on the back of the book. Criminals. So who's to hear us in the middle of the forest, Fred asks. The police are still searching the Boston area. He sits on the cot and the springs sag down to touch you. We need money, the other man says. That store closes at six. I saw the sign in the window. At closing time, we'll clean out the cash register. (laughs) If it's ten whole dollars. (laughs) There's only one old lady in there and she looks about 90. It'll be a five and three ones and a two dollar bill. Nice. Yeah, it's a piece of cake, Stan. We can get food, too. Nobody's going to look for us here. I'm going to take a nap. The bed creaks as Fred rolls over and you suck in your breath. No nap, Stans yells. The bed jerks up as he yanks Fred's to his feet. <laughs> what? 
He's Yankee Fred. Yeah. Oh. To his feet. That's I mean. Me. We're going to go find some wood for this stove. It gets cold here at night. The door creaks behind them and you roll out from under the bed. Fred and Stan must have escaped from prison. Should you get Jason or go and warn the lady at the store? Store. Cautiously, you peek out the window. Two men, dressed in blue coveralls, are disappearing into the forest. If you go back to get Jason, turn to page 43. If you go directly to the store, turn to page 75. Uncle Jason has been kind of a dick the whole time. He's yeah. so a dick. I, I, say, I say go tell the lady at the store. Be honest with the lady at the store was a dick, too. <sighs> you open the cabin door and run all the way to the store. Chipped gold lettering with black edges on the window says Ellison Store, Mrs. Agnes Ellison, Prop. Proprietor, I Proprietor, yes. Right. A tall, thin lady with white hair stands behind the counter. Are you Mrs. Ellison, you ask, entering quickly? Who wants to know, she asks, turning to stare at <laughs> she you. She has a dick. <laughs> Stan was right. She looks about 90. Call the police, you say. You're going to be robbed. Mrs. Ellison scowls. That is the worst possible way to introduce that idea. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Ellison scowls. I don't know you, she says. I'm staying with my Uncle Jason at the lookout, you say. Oh, that writer fellow? Do you make up stories, too? She turns and starts <laughs> dusting the shelf. <laughs> don't know anybody in these parts who'd want to rob Agnes Ellison, she says. They're convicts escaped from prison in Boston, you say. Mrs. Ellison frowns. Do you want a job, she asks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. This is all a play to get a job. How much does it pay? <laughs> a job, you repeat? It's as though she hasn't heard a word. A job, Mrs. Ellison says. Work. I'll pay you $5 to help me stack that cord of wood up against the building. Okay. You look out the window at a heap of wood in the gravel driveway. It's the tree that you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> Look, you say, will you call the police? Those men are going to rob you at six o'clock. They want food and money. How do you know, she asks skeptically. You hesitate. I went to find Henry, you say. I wanted to ask him about the spirit tree, but he wasn't at home. They came into the shack and I hid under the bed. Yeah. Seems like the long way to get to that. Yep. I overheard them talking about it. You don't need to know the rest. Henry hasn't been at the cabin for over a year, Mrs. Ellison mutters. He went back to the forest. To the spirit tree. <laughs> he went back, he went to, back the to the forest. You know, like humans do. Uh, please call the police, you plead. <laughs> please, lady, just call the cops. Can't do that, she says. Line got struck by lightning the other night. Ain't got no phone. <laughs> <laughs> Bus driver said he'd reported to the phone company, but I guess he forgot. She walks to the back of the store and returns carrying a shotgun. I'll just have to handle this myself. All right, I'm, I'm down with this. With that. Yep. If this can stop a black bear, it can stop a couple of crooks, she says. That's true. Now, are you going to help me with the wood or, or aren't you? Oh, Five shit, bucks. Doesn't ain't ya. Just make it say ain't ya. Now, are you going to help me with that wood or ain't ya? I can't gab all day. You think hard. You hate to leave Mrs. Ellison alone with two convicts on the loose, but if you go back to the lookout, Jason can radio for help. Of course, if you leave, you'll risk meeting the convicts in the forest. If you decide to stay with Mrs. Ellison and watch her straight up murder two convicts, turn to page 88. If you go back through the forest, turn to page 32. I thought the option would be to go chop the fucking wood, but... 
Well, stack, stack it or whatever wood. the hell it is. That's implied if you stay. I'm, I'm, I'm stacking wood. Yeah, I'm down with stacking wood. Okay, it's right. five bucks. Well, that's what she's That's what's important. Yeah. Yep. That's what's important in the story. We could earn five bucks. Okay, so we're going to stay. You know, the back where it says, or you could discover a box of diamonds or whatever. This one should have had the... You could earn five bucks. <laughs> five bucks. <laughs> what a surly old lady. Mm. I'll stay, you tell Mrs. Ellison. You start out the door toward the pile of wood. Just a minute, she says. She walks to the cash register and pushes a key. An orange no-sale sign pops up in the window and the drawer slides open. She's giving us money up front. Mrs. Ellison lifts out the tray of money and hands it to you. Put this Whoa. up against the billing and pile the wood over it, she says. Oh, Ooh. she's a cunning little sneaky, lady. Sneaky, sneaky. That's why she's been in business so long. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you need to make change, you ask? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a shotgun for that. Yeah, <laughs> no customers today, she says. It's River Race Day. Your uncle didn't tell you about that festivity you could have been going to. Right? You grin as you take the tray outside and place it on the ground against the building. She might be old, but she's pretty smart, you decide. <laughs> you decide? You start stacking wood, then pause as a thought occurs to you. Dangerous. Maybe <laughs> hiding the cash maybe hiding the cash drawer isn't so smart after all. What if the convicts get angry when they can't find it? They might become violent. Maybe it would be wiser just to give them the money and let them escape. You look in through the window. Mrs. Ellison has her back to you. Maybe you ought to take the cash drawer out of the wood pile. And Maybe you ought to it. commit robbery. Yeah. Maybe you ought to take the cash drawer out of the wood pile and hide it somewhere else so you can just give it to them when they come. Would that make you an accessory to the crime? Mm-hmm. Good Lord, you ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. If you take the cash drawer from the wood pile, turn to page 80. If you leave it there, turn to page three. I'm so tempted. I decide that I am a dumbass and I should probably just listen to the old lady since she's still alive. Oh, you're taking that I'm a dumbass a different way. You're going, I'm a yeah. dumbass and I should default to the smart person in this. Where I'm yes. thinking, I'm a dumbass and I should do dumbass things. <laughs> yes. No, I, I'm defaulting to uh, listening to Mrs. Ellis and doing yeah. as she requested. Yeah. That's the obvious that's definitely what we should be doing, but I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm kinda tempted to just give the money to them. But I'm fine. I, I'd say around. reserve that in if we have time. If we have time, okay. go back to So we're gonna go keep the money where it is. Keep yes. the money. Yep. Smart. I'll help, Mrs. Ellison says, joining you at the wood pile. They'll be here soon. But they're not coming till closing time, you tell her. Mrs. Ellison smiles. When people are motivated by easy money, they become impatient. Sure enough, as Mrs. Ellison stacks the last log, you look up to see Stan and Fred coming from the forest. Where's the shotgun, you ask? I hit it. It would only cause problems, she whispers. What can I do for you, she says to the men as they approach. Get inside, Stan snaps, grabbing her arm. Fred shoves you inside after them. No open the cash register, Stan orders. Mrs. Ellison pushes the no-sale key. The drawer opens. Empty, Stan yells. Where's the money? I hid it under the wood pile, she tells him calmly. (laughs) I knew you were coming. Your conversation in the cabin was overheard. Wow, she's just spilling the beans. Sit on the step, he snaps, pushing her back outside. 
Mrs. Ellison motions for you to sit beside her. This'll take forever, Fred yells, swinging a piece of wood. Make them help, too. <laughs> Just what you wanted to hear. With a piece of wood in your hands, you may be able to knock one of them out. <laughs> and give them a chance to swing logs at us? Stan growls at Fred. We'll do it alone. There's a shotgun in the mix somewhere. She hit it. She probably hit it under the... Who knows where she hit it? <laughs> We've got to stop them, you whisper, nudging Mrs. Ellison. They'll stop each other, she whispers back. Here it is, Fred yells, tugging at the drawer. Let me have it, Stan shouts, pushing Fred aside. I found it, Fred says, shoving him away. <laughs> is this a fucking vaudeville routine? Yes, it is. Stan grabs a piece of wood. <laughs> Stan grabs a piece of wood and swings at Fred's head. Fred ducks and then tackles him. By the time the fight is over, both men are lying dazed and injured on top of the scattered wood. Now it's time for me to get the shotgun, Mrs. Elson says, getting off. <laughs> I'm in love. Yeah. You can go to the lookout tower and have Jason radio for help. I'll watch them. Within an hour, the convicts are in custody. How did you know they were going to fight, you asked Mrs. Ellison. Are you psychic or something? <laughs> yes. Yep. Everybody's all, everyone psychic. Everyone is. That's the answer to this riddle. This, you, knows that they are living in a choose-your-own-adventure book. Mm-hmm. So you're like, obviously the option is you're either psychic or you time traveled. <laughs> Human nature, she says, laughing. Did you think I'd been to Henry's tree? That's not funny, you grumble. Tomorrow, I'm going to find that tree. I'm right back where I started this morning. Mrs. Ellison nods toward the scattered wood. In more ways than one, you groan. That's not funny either, you say. The end. Aww. I guess leaving you with your crazy uncle... What was the old lady's name? Allison. This is Allison. This is Allison. As soon as she showed up, the book became awesome. Way, way more interesting. Way better. But then she started doing real dumb shit towards the end there. It's kind of a Columbo move. Like fumbling, sort of, oops, I accidentally did the thing. I guess. But the thing is, like, she acts like they acted like normal people would act in that situation. And they totally didn't. They acted like a vaudeville routine. Yeah. It looks like that's the majority of the story, actually. Just glancing through it. It really really goes on and on. I don't feel like we ever found the forest of fear. No, I don't know if you ever will, either. I don't know if I was uh, even scared of the forest, honestly. Yeah, no shit. I'm afraid that the only interesting thing in this book, though, is, is Mrs. Mrs. Ellison. Ellison. That's yeah, true. I would agree. That's true. Uh, I... I don't want to not recommend this book, but I think I'm not going to recommend this book. I mean, there's other ones out there, I'm sure, that are the exact similar story. They're better. Well, and we've run into, I mean, Louise Monroe Foley, um, we've run into her a couple times before. And she's actually really good in general. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that, yes, I would recommend the book. Hmm. Because... Number one, Mrs. Ellison was fucking awesome. And Up to a point. I mean, she reminds me of my mom. That's my mom. I will recommend my mom. There you go. Boom. Yeah, you're not going to make me feel guilty for not recommending your mom. Check mark. Check mark? Check mark. You mean checkmate? Check. Don't check mark. 
Oh, check mark. Oh, a check mark. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going, haha, checkmate. I thought you were doing no, that sort of thing. I, that was definitely not a checkmate in any <laughs> way, shape, or form. <laughs> but it was a check mark. So oh, I just had to call that out. Checkmate. I'll keep that all in. <laughs> I don't know. I might recommend it purely on the fact that that made us laugh the most of. That's true. They've <laughs> been for a while. That's true. Because I was so like, what the hell? It's a good point. That's true. <laughs> all right. Look, I'll give it a soft recommend because I really don't want to not recommend this book. Mm -hmm. Soft recommend's good. There's some really good stuff in here. I'm just really afraid that we found the good stuff in the book and there's not much else outside of that. So. Yeah. 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 That that is a concern. Yeah. But so recommend with a little bit of caution. All right. Okay. So if you want to learn more about choose your own adventure, go to cyoa.com. If you want to hear more from us, go to incrediblydaring.com or rate and review us and all that good stuff. So for incredibly daring, I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. See you later. Bye.